Parker switched the scanner in the Bronco to the local police frequency and listened to all the official manpower in town ordered to the convenience store on the double. They'd all be coming now, fire engines, ambulances, police vehicles, and the fire captain's station wagon, its own siren screaming and red dome lights spinning in hysterics. 2.53 by this new dashboard clock. It should be now. Parker looked in the rearview mirror, and the station wagon, as red as a firecracker in all this sunlight, came modestly around the corner back there, its lights and siren off. Parker wasn't the driver. Carlson was. Leaving the Bronco engine on, he stepped out of it and went around to open the luggage door at the back, as the captain's car stopped beside him. A happy Melander in the back seat handed out four plastic bags bulging with paper, and Parker tossed them in the back. Then Carlson drove ahead to park in front of the Bronco, while Parker shut the luggage door and got into the back seat on the street side. Ahead, the three were getting out of the captain's car, stripping off the black cowboy hats and long tan dusters and white surgical gloves they'd worn on the job to make them all look alike for the eyewitnesses later. They tossed all that into the back seat of the station wagon, then came trotting this way. They were all grinning, like big kids. When the job goes right, everybody's up, Everybody's young, everybody's a little giddy. When the job goes wrong, everybody's old and nobody's happy. Carlson got behind the wheel, Melander beside him, Ross in back with Parker. Ross was a squirrely short guy with skin like dry leather. When he grinned, like now, his face looked like a khaki road map. We having fun yet? he asked, and Carlson put the Bronco in gear. Parker said, as they drove deeper into town, I guess everything went okay in there. You'd have thought, Carlson told him, they'd rehearsed it. Melander, a brawny guy with a large head piled with wavy black hair, twisted around in his seat to grin back at Parker and say, Move away from the alarm. They move away from the alarm. Put your hands on your head. They put their hands on their heads. Carlson, with a quick glance at Parker in the rearview mirror, said, Face down on the floor. Guess what? Ross finished. We didn't even have to say Simon Says. Carlson took the right under Hyacinth. It looked like just another residential cross street, but where all the others stopped at or before the city line, this one went on to become a county road through farmland that eventually linked up with a state road that soon after that met an interstate. By the time the law back in town finished sorting out the fire from the robbery, trying to guess which way the bandits had gone, the Bronco would be doing seventy headed east. Like most drivers, Carlson was skinny. He was also a little edgy-looking, with jug ears. Grinning again at Parker in the mirror, he said, That was some campfire you lit. It attracted attention, Parker agreed. Ross, his big smile aimed at the backs of the heads in front of him, said, Boyd? Hal? Are we happy? Melander twisted around again. Sure, he said, and Carlson said, Tell him. Parker said, Tell him. Tell me. What was wrong here? His piece was inside his shirt, but this was a bad position to operate from. Tell me what, he said, thinking Carlson would have to be taken out first. The driver. But Ross wasn't acting like he was a threat. None of them were. His smile still big, Ross said, We had to know if we were going to get along with you. And we had to know if you were going to get along with us. 
But now we all think it's okay if you think it's okay. So what I'm going to do is tell you about the job. Parker looked at him. We just did the job, he said. Not that, Ross said, dismissing the bank job with a wave of the hand. That wasn't the job. You know what that was? That was the financing for the job. The job, Melander added. The real job is not nickel-dime. Not like this. The real job, Ross said, is worthy of our talents. Parker looked from one to another. He didn't know these people. Was this something, or was it smoke and mirrors? Was this what Hurley had almost but not quite mentioned? I think, he said, you ought to tell me about the job. Chapter 2 It had started with a phone call through a cutout. Parker returned the call from a payphone and recognized Tom Hurley's voice when he said, You busy? Not in particular, Parker said. How's the wing? Because the last time they'd been together in a town called Tyler, Hurley had wound up shot in the arm and had been taken out of the action by a friend of his named Delasia. Hurley laughed, not as though he was amused, but as though he was angry. Fucked me a little, he said. I feel it in cold weather. Stay where it's warm. That's what I'm doing. In fact, that's why I'm calling. Parker waited. After a little dead air, Hurley did his laugh again and said, You never were much for small talk. Parker waited. After a shorter pause, Hurley cleared his throat and said, It's a thing with some people I don't think you know. I know you. Well, that's just it. I won't be there. If you want it, you're taking my place. Why? I got a better something come up. Offshore. I'm fixing to be a beachcomber. A rich beachcomber. Because of the arm, Parker suggested. That too, Hurry agreed. These three are good boys. They know how to count at the end of the day, you know what I mean? Parker knew what he meant. They wouldn't try to hog it all at the end of the day. He said, Why don't I know them? They civilians? No. They just work different places, different people, you know how it is. But then, it could pan out with them. And then you know them, and who knows? Who knows what? What happens next? Hurley said. Letting that go, Parker said, Where are they now? They move around like people do, Hurley told him. Lately, they're based around the northwest somewhere. Or maybe Vancouver. Over there someplace. Is that where this thing is? No. They like to work away from home. So did Parker. He said, Not around me. No. In the Midwest. One of those flat states out there. I told them about you. If you're interested, I'll give you a number. So one thing led to another, and here he was in the back of the Bronco with Melander and Carlson and Ross... And after all, he was going to be told the who-knows that Hurley hadn't wanted to talk about. Chapter 3 It's jewelry, Ross said. Parker wasn't impressed. That's a dime on the dollar, if you're lucky. That's right, Ross said. That's what we'll get. Melander said, We got three buyers ready to go. 
That's what they all give us, Parker said. Three. That's too much for one fence, Ross explained. Parker was beginning to get interested. What are we talking about here? Carlson steered them up onto the interstate ramp as Ross said, Four of us will walk home. Ride home, Melander corrected him. In a limo. Right, Ross agreed. Four of us will ride home with three hundred grand apiece. Parker looked from Ross to Melander and back. They both seemed serious, if happy. Nobody in the car was taking any mood changers. He said, This is twelve million in jewelry. That's the floor, Ross said. That's the appraisal. It's a charity sale. If we let it alone, it'll go higher. But what we'll get is the floor. A charity sale. Where? Palm Beach, Ross said. Parker shook his head. Deal me out. Ross said, You don't want to listen to the job? I just heard the job, Parker told him. Twelve million in jewelry all in one place draws a lot of attention. Cops, private cops, guards, sentries, probably dogs, definitely helicopters, metal detecting machines, all of that. Then you put it in Palm Beach, which has more police per square inch than anywhere else on Earth. They're all rich in Palm Beach, and they all want to stay that way. And besides that, it's an island with three narrow bridges. They conceal that place like it's shrink wrap. All of this is true, Ross said. But we got a way in, and we got a way at, and we got a way out. Then I still know the job, Parker told him, and I still don't want it.